Welcome to the Jackson Cloud Quarantine Edition. I'm Jamin. I'm Casey. And I'm Olivia. And today we are hopping into a passage that is so boring, Casey didn't even think we would stop here. <laughs> Genesis 10. It's true. Uh, it's true. There actually is some stuff that we're probably going to come back to in the next episode. But for now, the reason that you would expect to skip it is because overall... Chapter 10 is pretty boring. I mean, we got these are the generations of the son of Noah, Shem. See, look, Olivia's yawning already. <laughs> Sons were born to them after the flood. Japheth, Gomer, Magog, Madi, Javan, Tubal, Meshesh, and Tiris. Anyways, we're just getting started, right? We've got 31 verses of just genealogy with a few moments where we pause and zoom in on some people's lives, but we're not going to get into that Wait, is part. Is there any way we can turn it into a rap? That would make it more fun. <laughs> I'm sure there's some... Yeah, there's probably a CLC song somewhere that, that does that. Oh, okay. Um, but now, this is kind of odd, though, uh, because as we're reading through all of this, we see that it's the clans of the sons of Noah, according to their genealogies, in their nations... And from these nations spread abroad on the earth after the flood. Now, does anybody know what story comes next, directly next after this? Olivia's uh, scanning her phone real quick. <laughs> no, it's the Tower of. Gone asleep. Oh. Uh, it's the Tower of Babel. Tower of Babel comes next. That's actually the creation of the nations. Um, so what the Bible's doing here, it feels a little out of order to us. It's almost like a prologue. Chapter 10 is like, here's all the nations. Chapter 11 is, now here's how all these nations came to be. They were all gathered in one spot, and then God separated their language, and they all divided up into nations. In case you're new to Jackson Cloud, Deuteronomy 32.8 then tells us, that uh, every nation was assigned to a son of God. Son of God, sons of God in the Old Testament were spiritual beings. In other words, the little g gods reigning over all these different nations uh, come to take their reign in the Tower of Babel. So... How many nations do we have here? Who wants to um, go ahead and read that, count that up for us really quick? I'm just kidding. Please don't do that. It'll take forever. <laughs> 70. There's 70 nations uh, in, in uh, Genesis 10. Therefore, when we're thinking of like sons of God reigning over these nations, we would be thinking of about 70 little G gods. Uh, as always, I usually mention Daniel 10 as an example. There's a prince of Persia, a prince of Greece. These are little g-gods reigning over nations. So in this particular case, if we were to just keep following the logic of little g-gods whom God has created reigning over nations, then we're thinking of about 70 of them-ish making up this divine council of sorts. Okay. That sounds really weird and obscure if you're not used to this kind of framing of the Bible. So, when we're thinking of 70 nations, we would expect that number to come up at some point 
throughout the Bible here and there. And it does, uh, but it comes up in an interesting place. We're going to go ahead and fast forward all the way to Luke 10. Uh, who wants to read verse 1? I will. Have it. Yeah, go for it. All right. And after the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. Cool. So what, what translation are you using? ESV. Oh, no. I did that in NIV. I was supposed to do it in ESV. My bad. No, that's fine. ESV is the same thing, that there's 72 oh, okay. of them. So what do we think this 72 has to do with anything? Why? Because the Bible often uses numbers to illustrate like important key points. Uh, what do we think is going on here when Jesus sends out 72 disciples? I mean, my assumption would be is that he's setting it to be the equivalent to all the nations that are in the area. Yeah, so that's what we're backing. That's obviously what you would think we're doing since I started us in Genesis 10. In other words, Jesus is like, think of the 70 nations. Here I am sending out 70 well, 72 disciples. Here's where we can further see that this is what we're getting at here. I, you're thinking I'm stretching it because it's 72 versus 70, right? Like someone counted the nations wrong. Well, there could be more nations made since then. Sure. But actually, if you look at different manuscripts of Luke, some say 70 and some say 72. Now, the one in... So... The Greeks had a different version of the Bible called the Septuagint. Just like we translate Hebrew into English so we can read it, they translated Hebrew into Greek so they could read it. And in Genesis 10, if you were to count through the nations in Genesis 10 in the Septuagint, you would get 72 nations. There's two extra that aren't there in our version. But if you go through the Masoretic text, which is a different version, of the Bible, you get 70. So in other words, manuscripts of Luke, they were trying to communicate, we're sending out a disciple to each and every nation to reach each and every nation. Those, yes, those who know Septuagint are changing it to 72. Those who know the Masoretic are changing it to 70. But everybody's clear, like the point is, the theological point is, regardless of which translation you read, if you're thinking there's 72 nations, God is ministering to all of them. If you're thinking there's 70, God is ministering to all of them. So they're actually like changing the number to like make that clear to their readers based on Fix what the context. Reading. Yeah. 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 So that only helps clarify the point even more so that, that the disciples are being sent to all the nations, that this is no longer just an Israel thing. This is no longer just uh, uh, the Jews who are in exile, God is now sending out disciples to all of the different nations that were turned over to the little G gods, to the sons of God of, of other nations. And he's inviting them back through Jesus, who is making a way for them. So this actually becomes a huge theological point that Luke is trying to make, especially in a time where everybody thought that God was only coming back 
for their nation, not for everybody else. So right. that's a big deal. Um, well, there's something interesting. After the 72 come back, uh, Olivia, you want to read what happens there? I think it's verse. What verses was that? Were 17. That? Uh, 17. Okay, start there, yeah. Okay. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Okay, so before someone goes and picks up a snake to get bit by it to prove that Jesus is real, let's not go there. <laughs> um, but what does this do you guys see any connection we might be able to make well technically it says this? to tread on serpents so you're supposed to technically walk on the serpents not get bit by them well yeah so uh what what was supposed to tread on a serpent in genesis our heel yeah so one day a son of man would rise up one day a human being the snake would bite his bite his heel but the human being would crush his neck, right? And that was a curse on the serpent in the Garden of Eden on Satan. So when we think of serpents, we sometimes think of like demonic-esque like creatures like Satan. And that's what this passage right here does. It's like, I saw you go out to the nations and what happened on the way? I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. And that's a call back to, a, I think it's Ezekiel, no, it's Isaiah 14, where when Satan is cast out of the heavens, he falls like lightning, right? Did you just hear my children screaming? Yeah. Is that why you're... Man, this mic picks up everything. They're all the way upstairs. So when uh, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven, in other words, just like he had his demise when he was cast out from the heavens before, I saw him... I saw his demise as you ministered to the nations. Likewise, I saw uh, you were treading on serpents. You were crushing Satan's minions. Um, and you have power over the enemy. So what was the worldview that we just put out here, this biblical worldview of all the other nations? They're subjected to the little G gods, the sons of God, right? My cat keeps crawling on the microphone. She's driving me nuts. <laughs> so, um, part hi, of what's Norris. Being... Say hi to everybody. <laughs> Anyways, Jesus sends the disciples out to as many nations as exist. That's the theological messaging. They are going into territory that has been turned over to the little G gods, the sons of God, who God granted them the right to reign over these nations. And as they go into these nations, what happens? All of the minions, everything connected to Satan, everything, uh, all these false gods and their demons and everything else, their world is crumbling as the kingdom of heaven is making its way into it. Like, this is some pretty epic communication that Jesus is trying to get here to us, is the nations are not only encountering Jesus, 
but the fallen corrupt gods are their kingdom is falling apart as disciples go into their lands and reach them. Okay, so with that, uh, we will continue our conversation in the Tower of Babel, as well as some other spots within Genesis 10 when we return. For now, Olivia will tell you what to do. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe down below the video. Hit that bell if you'd like to receive notifications. And also, join us on the Discord if you'd like to continue this conversation with us further.